Good morning, fam. Let me just get all my pieces of paper out. Look at this. And I even have a stage manager. Isn't he a good daddy? He looks after me so well. And mum also donated the, the soil from the veggie garden. So it's a fam effort, as always. Um, I'm just going to pray. And we're going to launch in. So dear Lord, we just, we just thank you that you're such a good father. That you are worthy of our praise always for what you've already done for us. And I just pray that as I bring this word of yours today, that I'll be your vessel, that, um, that it'll be your words, not mine, that our hearts will be open to what it is that you would have, that you would say to us in our church season today. Amen. All right. Who has little people in their life that they love? Um, so I have two very precious uh, little nieces who have brought my family um, a lot of joy since their arrival. And pictured here is me with the oldest of the set, Tia, um, who I have a very special bond with. And last year, um, Tia called me up and said, Auntie Anna, can you come and play with me? So toddled over, and at the time she was about two and a half years old, and uh, as some of you will know who have had two and a half year old girls in your life, uh, they go through a bit of a roly-poly phase. Uh, and so inevitably as I was playing with Tia, uh, she uh, asked me as the night went on, Auntie Anna, would you do a roly-poly? <laughs> now folks, that is not something that is in my capacity anymore. Um, and so I said, I said, no, no, darling, only special people can do roly-polies. Now, I humbly thought that I had smashed Auntie Hood out of the park, okay? Not only had I affirmed her um, and her specialness, but I had also provided myself a really solid excuse for why I personally could not participate in the request that she had bestowed on me. Um, but her answer, it just completely blew me away. Um, so when I said, no, no, only special people can do roly-polies, she paused and she said, but Auntie Anna, you're special too. <laughs> right, heart exploded, a roly-poly was attempted and failed. Um, but I share that story with you all this morning because Tia's words set so beautifully and so purely the context for our time together over the next two weeks, uh, where it is really on my heart as a church family that we explore specifically the parable of the talents. See, not all of us can do the equivalent of a spiritual roly-poly when it comes uh, to advancing God's kingdom here on earth, but all of us are special. All of us possess a special and unique set of gifts and talents that he has given us to steward and to use for the invasion of his kingdom here on earth. Um, and so if you have brought your Bible, or if you are more of a device reader, um, I encourage you to head to Matthew 25 verse 14. Um, and as you do so, I just felt it was important to actually share a little bit of context around parables overall um, and to give a bit of information that we can have in our pockets um, as we dive into this particular parable. So the first bit of context I want to set around parables is if you've ever read one, you may have wondered, what on earth is Jesus trying to say? Parables are not black and white. 
Um, they are very kind of vague at times, or I interpret that they are. And one might wonder why on earth Jesus spent his exceptionally limited time here on earth um, speaking in these fictional stories. But I was listening to Tim Mackey, who's a biblical scholar recently, and he explained that what we are about to dive into is a puzzle and a riddle presented by Jesus. Jesus' intention for his listeners then, back when he first delivered these, and for us today, is to give us an invitation to reflect, to identify with characters in the stories, and to put the ball in our court for response. So really, the parables are like these, okay? Jesus threw them out into the audience, strapped full of goodness, okay? But it was up to us and his audiences then to actually catch the ball that he was throwing out, to unwrap the goodness and to consume it. Oh, so... It's been a long time since I played cricket, but there you go. Righto. Um, so Jesus, by parables, he puts the ball in our court for response. And that is all that I want to do today as well. I want to put the ball in your court and give you some things to think about in your own time as well. Secondly, and closely linked, is that the disciples, bless them, they even asked Jesus why he spoke in parables in Matthew 13, which I just find so entertaining because here they are questioning one of the, great, the greatest teacher of all time on his teaching methods, but, you know, good on them. And he says to those, he says in response, he says that those who know the mysteries of the kingdom have ears to hear and they have eyes to see. And like the disciples then and us today, that we will have an abundance. But those like the Pharisees and those who just thought that Jesus was nuts, he said that they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. They weren't open to who he was and were therefore shut off to his message and to actually understanding what it was he was saying. Essentially, the parables are a way for Jesus to speak to those specific people in his audiences who are open, as was the case then and as is the case for us. So for those of us here today who know him, who have um, a relationship with him, we can expect to hear and to see him as we explore this parable this morning. And finally, while very different in storyline and in characters... Uh, the themes of the parables are all pretty much the same, the most predominant of which is the kingdom of God. Uh, and so acknowledging that through the parables, Jesus is putting the ball in our court, that in doing so, he is giving us ears to hear and eyes to see, and that we can have confidence that what we're about to explore is about how we can partner with him in advancing his kingdom. Let's dive in. Matthew 25. Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, 
to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I gained two more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to someone who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who will have an abundance, but for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, and there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Now, following this beautiful scripture in our context beforehand, I want to ask you three questions today, Sam. These are questions that have jumped out at me as I have sought to unpack this puzzle and riddle, puzzle, riddle, puzzle and riddle, and apply it to my life. And I, in turn, just want to ask you the same three questions that I have been pondering and reflecting on of late. So the first question is, is what has God given you? What has God given you? Now, as a comment out of the gate, I am not giving a money talk today. That would be classic for the, you know, charity fundraiser. Um, But that's uh, that's not the theme. Uh, The word talent, however, it was used to describe a unit of value in this particular context. Um, And the master does also reference interest at the bank in my translation. And so I do personally think that through this parable, Jesus is putting the ball in our court and challenging us with how we are stewarding what he has given us financially, the kingdom's purpose. Um, I myself was really challenged when I heard a speaker say a couple of years ago um, that he could tell what someone's priorities in life were by looking at their calendar and looking at their bank account. Um, And I reflect on that sometimes, and I think, actually, gosh, what does my calendar and what does my bank account say about me? And does it align with what I say my priorities are? And I encourage you to, to do the same. 
But I actually think that the broader definition of a talent can also be applied to this parable as well, and that we need to consider not just our financial resources, but all, all of the skills and all of the aptitudes that we have been given, and the special combination of these that we are each responsible for stewarding for his purpose. Um, In James 1, which completely unlike the parables, is five chapters of black and white, blunt truth about what it means to be, to outwork the Christian faith, Um, it says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hallelujah for that. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruit of his creature. And what I appreciate about this passage is that it bluntly talks to the deception that I think sometimes we can hold as believers that once we have tithe, however much, and I'm not the kind of person who advocates either which way how much you should give. Um, but the deception about once we've tithed, however much is on our hearts to do so, and once we've served in a ministry or two, that the rest is ours. But this passage draws our attention to the fact that he is our creator. He formed us in our entirety from dust by his will. And that every good gift is from him. We are made in his image for his purpose. And as part of that, we have ear in our lungs and a set of talents and abilities given to us to achieve that purpose. Everything we have is from him. Everything we have is for him. A hundred percent of our lives is from him and for him. And we are stewards of resource, not the owners of it. I'll say that again. We are the stewards of resource, not the owners of it. So I wanted to provide us as a church family to reflect, to stop, and to actually consider what has God given me. Um, And so I've recruited some very handy-dandy helpers. Um... If those of you who have seen my social media posts about a pen, it's all about to be revealed. So, uh, my handy dandy helpers are going to pass around a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper, you will see that there are four categories. One is material financial, right? So by this, I mean, yes, our financial resources. So, savings, discretionary income, stock, I don't need to explain it. You know what I'm talking about. But I also encourage you to think about what earthly possessions have I got. And by earthly, I essentially means the things that don't come with us when we ascend to our ultimate home. So our our, our homes, our cars, um, ovens, food processors, tents, boats, okay? Material possessions. Category number one. Category number two, you'll see, is time. All right? Time is such an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, I believe that as society, we waste so much of it, and I myself historically have wasted a lot of time, which is so interesting considering, you know, people share stories about how people at the end wish they had more time, but anyway. So, 
Are there specific times in your week? Are there evenings that you tend to be free? Are you free at lunchtime? Are you free in the morning? Time in the week where you tend to be free and maybe watching Netflix or doing something. I don't know. Of course, I would be remiss as an elder if I didn't include spiritual gifts. <laughs> Those gifts given to us by the Spirit. Now, I've put the classic 1 Corinthians passage up there for you, um, which outlines the spiritual gifts um, that the Spirit can give us. Uh, and I also encourage you, as well as writing down what spiritual gifts you believe you have, um, if you are familiar with fivefold ministries, um, I also encourage you to put those down as well. And finally, those personal passion, passions and skills that you have. By this, I mean baking, budgeting, cooking roasts, being a decorator, being a designer, being the kind of driver who's never had a speeding ticket. Like a roly-poly, like a roly-poly, there will be some things that you can do that I cannot um, and that your neighbour cannot. And you may never ever have considered how those things can be used for the kingdom of God and its advancement, but by gosh, they can. So I'm going to give you five minutes now just to write down everything that you can think of that is in your hand that you have in each of those categories. And if we could play some instrumental music by any chance, because I forgot to prompt you about that. That would be great. <laughs> Um, keep, keep writing as more and more things come to the forefront of your minds. But transferring now um, to the second question that I ponder personally and I want to share with you is, what are you, you, what are you doing with what God has given you? If God, like the master in this parable, was to return today, and to ask you for an account of what you've done with each of the things on your list, what would you say? See, I, I filled, I've, you know, filled my own one out. Um, and I personally find that a confronting and convicting thought when considering what God has put in my hand. It is one thing, family, to know, to know and to be able to write down on our piece of paper what we have. It is another thing entirely to be investing, to be intentionally and deliberately 
asking God, how can I use what, is given, what you have given me and placed in my hand for your kingdom advancement purpose? While they didn't bury their talents, those servants who received the five and the two, they didn't keep them in their pockets either. They didn't rock around with their five and two talents, but they actually took action. They went out. They sought to grow what they had and to use what the master had given them. And one of the things that I find so interesting about this parable is its position, okay? We know that the Bible is one, one biblical narrative, okay? It incrementally builds up to the climatic point at Calvary where Jesus died for us and redeemed us. And this parable is in Matthew 25, In Matthew 26, the plot to kill Jesus is created, and in Matthew 27, he's crucified. So this parable, therefore, is one of the final things that Jesus says to his audiences before Passover and before his crucifixion. What's more is the passages before this passage are also really worth noting. Immediately before this parable, we have the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins, um, who essentially tells the the story about how the five foolish, foolish virgins miss out on the bridegroom and on the wedding feast because they're not ready, because they're caught off guard and they're not ready. In the passage directly before that, we read about the evil and the good servant, again, which speaks to the fact that the evil servant is caught off guard by his master's unexpected arrival. The passage before that talks about how nobody knows the day or the hour where Christ returns. And so out on the Mount of Olives, ahead of his crucifixion, Jesus is literally talking about being ready for his return and advancing here on earth in preparation. He's about to give us the gift of Jesus um, and new life. He's about to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our helper as we seek to advance the kingdom. But he also is prompting us, I think, in my interpretation, to consider what else he gives us to advance his kingdom and then to be active in using it until he returns. Don't dilly-dally, is how I interpret what he's saying. Don't wait. Don't wait to use what I've given you. Be active. Spread the good news before I return. Those that the parables and stories speak well of are those who, despite not knowing the day or the hour of their master's return, they faithfully serve with what they have in the meantime. They steward well with what they have. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be very complacent and very caught up in the present, embarrassingly so. But what I want, what I want is an eternity focus that renews every day and that stirs up an urgency within me to use these for kingdom purpose. And so looking at your list, looking at your list, what are you currently using for God? What could you start using? Ask yourself, How could I use that for God? And more importantly, ask him, (laughs) the one who gave it. Ask God, 
How would you have me steward this talent that you have given me going forward for your kingdom's purpose? Now, I wish to state that this is not an eldership recruitment drive. Um, in actual fact, there have been messages this year um, about how a real need for a salah period and for rest. And so again, I stress that today I am simply putting the ball in your court and giving you things to think about if you are in a salah period. There are for sure areas within church life that are desperate for help, that are desperate for leadership. Um, but while serving in church life is important, and I'm all about it, um, it is not all that there is to the Christian life, folks. It is not all there is. If we are to have an eternity focus and an urgency, we can't just be about making this happen every Sunday. Um, or focusing inward, but actually about using our talents to reach those outside the walls, <laughs> um, those who are not yet ready for Christ's return at that unknown date. Um, now, I tend to think that it's a very risky business naming people in sermons. <laughs> um, but I thought that we could all probably universally agree that David and Glenna Stodge are wonderful examples in our church family who steward what God has given them exceptionally well. I think about all of the plates and the cups and the china and how many people in this church family and outside these walls have been blessed with fellowship and food over that cutlery. How many people have been blessed here, but also how many people have gone through their house either by invitation or through Alpha, and heard about God because they were willing to open up their home? How many people here have been blessed by the food from their veggie garden or by the skills of Glenis's culinary strength? Okay? Um, now, there, here's the thing. There is nothing necessarily terribly uncommon about having access to a house and having access to a veggie garden or being able to cook. But what David and Glennis are wonderful examples of is how when such things are surrendered to Christ, they can be used powerfully for kingdom advancement. Now, granted, not everybody has crates of cutlery or the space to steal them, um, but our parable does talk to the fact that those who are faithful at using what they have will be given responsibility for even more. So, looking at your list, could you use your passion and skill for baking to make something for your neighbor every now and again and to start building a relationship with them? If you have the gift of time, could you spend free evenings praying for our church family, praying for our senior pastor search, please? Um, praying for, or taking, taking a young person or a couple from church or from work out for dinner? Um, or could you simply call people, call people and encourage them? The New Testament is filled with scripture that talks about the importance of not just praising him, but building each other up and encouraging each other and praising each other. So could you spend some time calling the people who inspire you by what they're doing with their talents and encouraging them in it? 
if you are great with money and finance and actually investing, which some of you are, could you give budgeting advice to people? And fun fact for you, I do happen to know charities who would be interested in budgeting advisors. If you have the talent for seeing people um, for their potential, not as they are, but for their potential, could you mentor, mentor a young person, a kid whose parents aren't around? If you love kids, and so many of you do, that came out in our church profile, we love kids in this family. If you love kids, could you offer to babysit for your colleague or for one of the young couples here at church so that they can have a date night um, and invest into their marriage? With your car, could you drive loads of youth somewhere so that they don't, we don't hear tales of cars breaking down on the way to youth camp? Or could you take um, fish and chips to icons once a term? Or could you pick people up? who can't actually get here for our Sunday services. And again, there are people who are like that. And you could use your car to come and to bring them to church to have fellowship. Could you use that little bit of extra discretionary income to buy the person behind you at the cafe coffee? Everything, everything, everything on your list is given by God. Okay? We just have to be motivated and take action and actually using them. I put the ball in your court. And finally, I want to ask you today, if there is anything that you have buried for whatever reason, are there prophecies, dreams, or even pure instructions from God about what he would have you do that you have forgotten or parked for some reason. As you were filling out your piece of paper, were there things that you thought of that you didn't write down? Sometimes the stern makes us uncomfortable. And I think that church rhetoric sometimes, overall, not specifically here, um, as a whole, can sometimes fluff God up a bit. You know, we talk about how he's our best friend and that he'll love us forever. And that while they are not necessarily untrue, they are true. Sometimes I fear about how we, we, we fluff them up um, and we negate God's sovereignty, power, and glory. And what it actually means to be obedient to him. He speaks against laziness in this parable. Laziness is different to rest. I reiterate that. <laughs> but he speaks against laziness here. And actually more so in the parable beforehand. Laziness can result in missing out on God's good plan for our lives and the removal of our talents and what he's given us. To me, I read this and I interpret it as saying that he eventually takes away from us what we are not using. And he, give it, he gives it to people who will. But also one of the really significant things that Rowan Lyons actually drew my attention to was the beliefs that the man with the one talent had about God as master. And it was these beliefs and the views which led him to bury his one talent. See, the word in my translation says that he was afraid. He was afraid. He was fear-filled. And it is this fear that drove him to dig and to bury the one talent that he had. He intentionally did the burying. In my interpretation of this, I don't think it would have mattered 
If he did know exactly when um, the master was coming back and asking for an account, the outcome would have been the same for him. He intentionally buried, and that was the outcome that he desired. Um, And fear drove this intentional decision to bury it and to keep it buried. And I personally deeply relate, deeply relate to uh, this this servant. Um, I am someone who can point to seasons of my life where I had buried a lot. Um, So a couple of years ago, oh gosh, being careful, hang on. A couple of years ago, yep, it happened. A couple of years ago, I refused to lead, right? I refused to be on stage. I refused to be involved in ministry. Um, I refused to do the notices. Um, I essentially refused to do anything. Um, And I stayed that way for many, many years. Some of you may remember that season. Um, And there were justifiable reasons for this, okay? Uh, But ultimately, the reason that that season lasted for years and years and years and why my talents were actually literally in the dirt not being used was because I was afraid. It was because I was afraid. I was afraid of man, um, but I also had a lot of fear in my life. And my view of God was wrong. It was wrong. Um, And thankfully, (laughs) um, there were people who used their talents it's buried, I can't actually wave it. People who use their talents to help me on my healing journey um, and to help me begin to, you know, unravel it all and to find it again. Um, and that got me back here. Uh, but more recently... I was picking up the spade again with fervor (laughs) Um, as I was considering whether or not to accept the call to eldership. Now, folks, (laughs) this was not something that was on my radar, okay? Um, In actual fact, a couple of weeks before um, the process happened, um, I had applied for a job in Auckland. And while I had not gotten that job, it represents where my thinking was at, at the time. Okay? So, yeah. I was, so when people started saying, oh, you know, it could be you, I was like, no. There are people who are way more godly and holy than I am. There are people who are way more biblically and theologically gifted than I am, whose retention is way better than mine is. People who would just be better. And so when um, Leanna and John came over to my house for pudding, um, um, and they, you know, they laid it out. I was, yeah, words can't even describe, um, but the fear was filling up with rapidity. Um, And I was so worried. I was so worried that I was going to make the wrong decision and that I wasn't good enough. And if these fears and these false views that God calls the most qualified had rung any truer or been any louder 
then I for sure would have been digging deep to the earth's core and chucking these back in again. (laughs) Um, And that call to leadership would have been buried. But again, thankfully, because of a few people um, who used their talents um, to help me in different areas as I explored that, and because I just heard God speak profoundly to me during that time. And if you're interested in that, well, come and tell me, and we might include it in the next sermon. But um, essentially, the fear of not being good enough was over, overruled. <laughs> um, but it's still one I have to work through. And thankfully, again, there were people whose talents helped me in this journey. And the shovel stayed out of the dirt this time. (laughs) But have you spent time with the shovel? Have there been words or prophecies or desires on your heart, ideas of how you wanted to use your talent that aligned with God's will for your life? Are there false beliefs about God or yourself which have driven this? But if, you were to, if there was a category in your piece of paper for buried things, could you identify what is actually deep down? There is still time to dig it out. Yay! God is 100% for us. He created us by his own will. He's given us 100% of what's in our hands to use for him. But he also, like he did with me, so gently and so patiently, yeah, if you want to come up, um, he does want to help us in the healing journey of digging out stuff that we've perhaps buried as well, and that he wants to see us using for kingdom's purpose. Right? So, um, I've been thinking all week about how to finish this. It was a blank slate. Um, Jesus didn't tell me. (laughs) Um, But what I love also about the passage, and which I just haven't had the time to really dive into, is is the part about... um, you know, he says, to, he says to the servant with the five and with the two, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you, but that is like the desire of my heart. Not that for my own humility, for my own pride or for my own sense of greatness, but because I desperately, desperately want my life and my use of all of these to see and to result in people coming to know him. Um, one, one of the words I got when I was pondering eldership was that um, he's, he, I just felt God say so strongly to me, he's like, Anna, there are so many people who don't know that I'm hanging on a tree for them. And the desire of my heart is that I will use all of the things on my piece of paper that people will that people will in some way. Um, And so, um, I really want to invite us and open up a time of surrender. Um, 
It might have actually have been a while since you told Jesus that you love him. <laughs> um, but also, you may never, ever, ever have considered that actually some of the things that are on your paper are for him, from him and for him. And so I invite you as the team play, um, that if you want to come before God tangibly today, if you want to spend some time gazing at the beauty and the power and the glory of what he's done, and to say I love you, but also to surrender to him what is on your list, what is on your piece of paper with a renewed passion, or with new passion, because you've never ever thought about it before. But if you want to come before him and surrender what is in your hand afresh, then I invite you to come down the front. No pressure for prayer or anything. It's just a tangible, tangible sign that if you want to do a fresh surrender of what's in your hand, if you want to bring your piece of paper before him and say, Jesus, I give this to you for your purpose. Show me what you would have me do. Use me. Then I encourage you to come down the front and spend some time with them as we go, go into this. Feel free to stand, but feel free to stay seated and 